welcome to the third episode of Guildcast, the podcast with us, your officers. Each month, we release a new podcast where we discuss different topics affecting your student experience, as well as providing a bit of an update on what we and your students' guild have been working on for you. In previous episodes, we've talked about your well-being, the Get Connected campaign, the elections, pandemic so make sure you give them a listen if you haven't already my name is penny and i'm your vp education as always i've got the rest of the officer team with me liv hi i'm liv the vice president activities of the students guild hi i'm ruby and i am vp welfare and diversity hi i'm sunday and i'm your guild president thank you to start us off would each of you like to describe how you're feeling in two adjectives I'll go first. Relaxed and motivated. Liv, how are you feeling? I'm really overthinking what adjectives are. I look just like <laughs> for an English student. Um, <laughs> wait, no, crazy is not an adjective, is it? It is. Oh, right. No, I'm not feeling crazy, though. Wait, OK, let me think again. <laughs> how are you feeling? Just go with that. Okay. And you'll be fine. I- I'm going to steal motivated Penny and um, I wouldn't say I'm being relaxed. So I'm going to go with excited. Good. Ruby, what are your two adjectives? Um, tired, but optimistic. Those are really good words. Sunday. Um, I am also tired or exhausted and discombobulated (laughs) (laughs) great word thank you that is a very big word um since quite a few of us mentioned relaxed well i think it was just me who mentioned relaxed um well since quite a few of us actually mentioned tired i think it would be good if we could think about like how to keep ourselves well and relaxed so that we become less tired what did you do during your time off um for spring break i personally watch a lot i i personally watch a lot of netflix what about you liv i also watched a lot of netflix oh it's not netflix actually i watched a lot of Grey's anatomy on amazon prime um and i also went on a lot of bike rides did some cooking made some cheese and marmite scones. Mm. I had a I had a great time. Yeah, lots of chilling, reading, baths, all that all that fun stuff. Mm. Yeah, Ruby, what would you do to have fun? Um so I read a lot of books, um played a lot of video games and um took my dogs for a walk. So, yeah, it was nice. Living your best life. Literally. Yeah, fun day. Do you do anything fun to relax? I don't make podcasts for a start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I so I um I like obviously I like to read. Reading is my thing, and I like I I like reading stuff that isn't anything to do with um higher education. Just like something that's historical, you know, some kind of historical drama love Poldark, love me a bit of Outlander, anything set in the 18th century, I just love it because I look at them and think, you didn't, you didn't have admissions data or anything like that, did you? <laughs> you just, you just didn't have 
I don't know, TB vaccines. But that's not the point. The point is, it seems cottage core-esque, you know, Highlands of Scotland, the, the, the coasts of Devon. It just seems a lot more peaceful than what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> so to, 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 to take a very long time to answer your question, I, I, I watch 18th century period dramas. Cool. That's a very unique way of relaxing. And, and Liv, haven't I heard that societies are now allowed to have in-person activities? They are, which is super exciting. So uh, this week we've had LGBTQ plus society hold a picnic near Queen's. We've had theatre societies starting back um, rehearsals. It's really, really lovely to see our societies back on campus and doing in-person activities. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what other events pop up. Now, that is incredible news. I think the ability to meet up safely in person would massively help students' well-being because isolation is a really big cause of students feeling distressed before uh, the lockdown being eased. So, yeah, great news for all of us. Now, let's... Let's talk about some of the main issues um, that students are facing right now. Hot topics. This is what we do in the podcast. Um, and this week's, this episode's hot topic is tuition fees. Um, well, this is a big one. And I think that it's a good idea to talk about this in this podcast because Guild Council recently voted for us officers to campaign for tuition fee compensation for students and this is clearly an issue that affects a lot of students who have reached out to us so yeah let's let's talk about this um Sunday would you like to talk a little bit about what do you think are the key issues that led students to feeling this way do you mean what the key issues are to feeling that students uh, need money back from yeah. the university? Yeah. yeah, so it's obviously quite a difficult situation because um, some we've got we've got a situation where some students have paid up front, other students have taken out loans. If we're going to be looking at tuition fee refunds for students who've taken out loans, where's that refund going? Is it going to the government? Is it going to the student? Um, I think that Wales has done so much better than us in terms of financially looking after their students, given, you know, £40 million of hardship funding to students to go right into their pockets this year to pay their rent, to pay for food, to make up for the lost wages that students have lost in uh, casual work from hospitality jobs and the like. Um and to put that into context, if we were to get equivalent, we would be looking at around 750 million. So students are really facing the financial strain of the pandemic um, and not getting a lot of support for it. So I completely sympathise with why students may be feeling that they need they need this money. Um, but at the same time, a lot of students are saying that they don't feel that what they've signed up for has been delivered, that they don't feel that the university has delivered on their promises around um certain um face-to-face -face teaching hours around um certain facilities that were promoted in brochures and um prospectuses so is it prospectuses Pros prospect i whatever <laughs> um 
you you know you've got you've got universities with their big shiny buildings saying come here come here we've got better libraries better gyms and and the like um and then students are turning around and saying well well i haven't experienced any of that and 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 in lieu of um itemized receipts in which you know the university lists every single thing a student may or may not use um the 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 students are are saying well we we feel we didn't get what we paid for so we're in a difficult situation where we're trying to locate where that feeling exists in terms of actual numbers you know figures on the page pounds in pockets i think another thing that um a lot of people um you know, I think another thing that comes up a sort of issue when we're trying to work out about the position of refunds or loan forgiveness is that um, all degrees have always been sub um, cross subsidized, right? So uh, humanity students have always paid more than they've got out from the institution. And that extra money that they didn't necessarily get value for money in that money has paid for medical students' degrees or STEM students' degrees. I, I'm aware that medical students is part of STEM, but yeah. Um, and we get we get into this situation where we can break down value for money. We have to start looking at the cost of degrees per subject. So what happens next year when we don't have a pandemic? Are humanities students going to say, well, I didn't get nine and a half thousand pounds of lessons because humanities students never get nine and a half thousand pounds of lessons because the way the financial system works in terms of funding the university is that degrees are cross subsidized by other degrees that don't cost as much. This is a really difficult situation for student leaders who completely um, appreciate and will represent the feelings and views and interests of students who are asking for some kind of compensation. I personally think that compensation for the pandemic should come should come directly from the government um and it should be going into students pockets now you know this this year um and i say that because students are in, are being impacted by the by the financial cost of the pandemic this year um if we were to do it in terms of loan forgiveness that would come at the end of them paying off their student loan so that would be 50 year olds getting nine grand or three grand um you know, in 30 years time when the pandemic's long and got and gone and the economy's recovered. So that's the situation we're in. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that was as brief as you wanted it. Um, I'm not sure if there is a briefer way of saying it, but yeah. Yeah, it is a very complex issue um, indeed. So it's, it's very difficult to sum it up. But I think the core of this issue is that in essence, we are treating education like a product and I'm not sure that it's the most helpful thing because like even as you said outside of this pandemic we still have this issues of what am I paying for what am I not getting and I don't think it's particularly helpful to treat education as the product uh, and yeah in it, it the whole fee model is just really unsustainable isn't it We've talked a lot about education experience being a core area where students are unhappy about. Um, I'd love to hear Liv's thoughts on this, actually. Do you think the lack of student experience um, in person 
things like society activities and sport activities uh, led to students feeling so dissatisfied that they would like their money back. Yes, definitely. I completely agree with that because I think there's so much more to university life than than just your degree, societies, um, all that sort of extracurricular stuff is a really big part of it too. And I think that's one of the aims of the university's Festival of Discovery that will be running um, over May and June, I think. Um, and we're going to be hoping to play a big part in that as the Students Guild in putting on lots of opportunities, um, including sort of outdoor inflatable activities, stuff, craft stalls, and all the fun stuff for students to get involved in because obviously they've missed out on so much this year. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Hmm. Um, Ruby, I'd love to hear your thought as well. Do you think um, students' mental health also contributed to um, the distress and dissatisfaction that students have been feeling? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that um, the tuition fee issue is also causing a lot of distress. And I think students feel frustrated. And um, that is, again, just like feeding into the the general um, mental health crisis that is among the student population at the moment. So um, I think that issues of academic welfare are, are really prominent at the moment. So in response to students' feedback and the Guild Council vote, I have been leading the campaign to um, get compensation for students. And I am teaming up with the campaign that was started by the Students' Union in Cornwall. Um, And the campaign is called Ease the Fees. And um, they are actually planning an online protest at some point in April. So if you would like to get involved in this campaign, make sure that you follow Easter Fees on Instagram. So that is E-A-S-E and then T-H-E-F-E-E-S, Easter Fees. It's a really exciting campaign. And I think when we have two student unions representing students at University of Exeter joining forces on the same cause, it's going to signal to the university that this is an area that students really want to see change in and I'm just really excited to see what we can do um, as a team, the two unions. And also bonus, we actually got the endorsement from the National Union of Students, so very exciting and now that we have both local backing and national backing, I'm really positive that we can achieve some real change here and hopefully money back for students. Okay, on to our second big topic, free speech. Uh, aka freedom of expression, whatever you call it. This is a big issue, isn't it? Sunday, where do we even start with free speech? Um, yeah, I mean, freedom of speech is... Um, so I did... You know what? I did this um, survey for um, 
students uh, a couple of weeks ago now um, on their views on free speech and free speech policy and that sort of stuff. Um, and it was, I mean, we only had about 14 responses for a start, which is <laughs> frustrating, um, but it was really split down the middle, you know, seven, seven, seven people thought that the Guild were, um, you know, against free speech. And um, when, you know, when we did things around the charity commission, because obviously the Guild is a registered charity. So we, we have to, by law, um, have things like external speaker policies. Um, you know, they would see, these students would see those external speaker policies as uh, an affront to free speech. And then the other half of the students were saying that the Guild weren't doing enough um, to filter out speakers and were giving platforms to fascists and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a real contentious split on campus around free speech. And um, I, I have to say, as someone who has tried to sit in the middle of the road, I have been smacked by both <laughs> both sides of traffic, um, unfortunately. But, you know, this is something that I really wanted to look at and I wanted to take it seriously. And, you know, the government had been coming out with new proposals around free speech and there were myths and rumours and all this kind of stuff going around um, about the reality of freedom of speech in students' unions. Um, I... I'm quite liberal in terms of how I personally view free speech. You know, I think that if someone's argument is terrible, let our incredibly articulate and intelligent students um, rinse them, <laughs> rip them apart, which they do. And I have witnessed on several occasions. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we we are a um, we're, we're a Russell Group University. You know, we we have a uh we have we, we have standards right and i think that one of the things that um people often forget is that you know universities have a uh, you know they 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 you, the university says to students you need to have free a's to come here and sometimes i do it does frustrate me sometimes because i think sometimes we'll invite someone to speak and they have not, no connection to the university. They're not from an in, in, industry or a sector pertaining to the debate at hand. Uh, they've, some of them have had no academic qualifications. Um, and these people simply have a strong opinion. And sometimes I think, you know what, as a Rust Group Research Intense University, that is not an informed and valid enough reason to be platformed here, especially when we have such a rich and uh, diverse opinion in our academics. Um, I, I, I would say that we also need to separate freedom of speech from academic freedom. Those are two very different things. If someone doesn't come and speak to, I don't know, the law society, uh, that they that doesn't stop them being an academic, you know. So we do need to pick those apart. But um, yeah, freedom of speech was not my manifesto. Um, it wasn't something that I particularly gave much thought for to before. Uh, but you know, my job now as as director of this organisation legally is to regulate this activity within law uh, and take account of relevant legislation as well as student wellbeing. And I will wish that job upon no one <laughs> because it has been very difficult.
Yeah. I think actually I'm going to add on something. Sorry. I think this is a very important point, actually, is I think that there has been an exaggeration of uh, deplatforming. So deplatforming has never actually been institutional policy. Um, you know, I think that speakers, uh, students have a right to access experts in the topics that they want to discuss. Um, they also have a right to respond to those speakers as well as the speakers that they don't want. And I think that, um, you know, we recognise at the Guild that it is there is a wide range of diverse opinions and that is essential to developing our students as people and as global citizens. Um, and some students don't think it should be. Some th students think that we shouldn't be platforming a, a wide range of diverse opinions. And that is their freely expressed opinion. And they're allowed to say that. Um, and that's really important that students are allowed to disagree with our policy on platforming people. They're allowed to do that. Um, but them, you know, a student tweeting on social media, oh, I don't think that this person should come. That isn't institutional deplatforming. That's a student on social media saying that they don't think a speaker should come and they're allowed to say that. And um, it does frustrate me sometimes because, you know, I'll, go, I'll, I'll look in the paper <laughs> and it will say uh, Exeter University has deplatformed all of its debating society speakers. And I think, what? When do we what? When do we do that? And then I'll look into it and it will be like one person had tweeted. And then the next week we were doing our review and somehow it got reported somewhere that that means that uh, we've we've no platformed everyone. Um, so, yeah, I think that we need to really rein in the hysteria on the no platform in a little bit because, you know, a room booking being changed. uh, uh events being postponed as they were with our speaker review by a couple of days I think it was three days they were postponed by or you know one student saying I don't want this person here none of that is deplatforming. um mm. so yeah I think we do need to we do need to calm down a little bit and just look at the actual evidence which is that this year student unions platformed 10,000 events and six were cancelled so yeah, let's ground ourselves in the facts here and uh, work towards something where I don't get hit by both sides of the road, but is, you know, some sort of happy medium between the seven on one side and seven on the other. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a really good summary of the issue so far. And I think I really like the point about academic standard in uh, choosing speakers because granted that we do need to hear a diverse range of speakers we are a very we, we are a university that is known for academic rigor so we need yeah i think one, one of the things i said you know things like arguments pro and against things like decolonization or um things around transgender rights and gender critical feminism you know these are the hotly contested issues that you know every bloody Tom, Dick and Harry thinks that they have an opinion on and right to a platform. And I actually think, you know, we've got some incredibly uh, esteemed academics at Exeter who argue on both sides of these arguments. And actually, if we're going to be doing those debates, any kind of um, any kind of justice, then those are the people we should be going to to speak. Uh, and, and and yeah, I, d I do think that there's something in this. And 
I have to say that the students this year have been so mature and um, proactive and have worked alongside the Guild in, in trying to really grapple with these different issues. Um, you know, students and academics, they're not they're not fools. They, they, they can self-govern and they can explore academic inquiry in a, in a respectful and engaging way. Uh, so we just need to give them the time and space that enable them to have that enriching intellectual experience um, where, where we do look at hotly contested controversial issues, but in a way that, you know, is, is in, in a way that we can explore it that is befitting to this institution. And we need to ignore any media hysterics alongside it because I got, you know, anytime we get a, anytime I get a press a press request for a comment on some event being cancelled I'm like was was it it wasn't actually cancelled no I will not be giving you a quote on an event that wasn't actually cancelled that yeah so <laughs> looking after our students that's what we gotta focus on yeah thank you yeah Ruby I'd love to hear your thoughts um where does students well-being come into this debate well I think that one of the things that's been really commendable in the work that Sunday's done is that student well-being has always been at the center whether uh, whether it's um making sure that there's sort of after event support for students that are involved in a debate or something like that um but also making sure that we're creating an environment where students can explore these different opinions and things like that i think that is one of the things that's been um at the forefront of this piece of work and one of the things that i think is really really commendable from an outside perspective so well done. <laughs> yeah, Liv, any thoughts from you? I think just a huge thank you to all the societies that have engaged in this work with us, because that's been really useful to get their their input for sure. Yeah, thank you. I guess that wraps up our podcast. And yeah, it's been really interesting to hear your thoughts on the big issues this week: tuition fees and free speech. And yeah, thank thank you to everyone who tuned in. Um, our next podcast will be out next month, where we'll be discussing some new topics to be decided. But if you would like to recommend any topics for us to talk about in the podcast, you can get in touch with us. Um, you can follow us on social media at exe president, exe activities, exe education, and exe welfare to find out what we're up to in between episodes, as well as the guild's main account at Exeter Guild. Bye from all of us. Bye. Bye. This podcast was edited and produced by Joe Mayo in association with the Exeter University Podcast Society.